Hey, everybody, it's Matt. Our Growing Greater podcast, it's made possible thanks to the team at CGI. With 43 years of experience and expertise, the team at CGI, they have earned their reputation as a leading end-to-end IT and business consulting services provider. Their year-over-year growth, it's a testament to the confidence that their clients place in the CGI team. Serving clients in the health, life sciences, oil and gas, and banking and capital markets industries, among others, the CGI team consistently delivers unparalleled managed IT and business processing services, systems integration, and IT consulting services. And the team of CGI professionals right here in Greater Philadelphia, well, they are especially focused on supporting the growth of regional companies that are leading the way in the life sciences and biopharma space. You can learn more at CGI.com. That's CGI.com. And join me in thanking the team at CGI for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. There is a hunger here and a true desire to continue to build out what a greater Philadelphia might look like. So one day when you and I are retired, we can listen to two other people talk about what has happened during our careers, and we can watch them take Philadelphia to the next level. So one of the industries in greater Philadelphia that has been consistently growing, and that is a true economic engine for our region, it's the tourism industry. There's no doubt about it. For more than 20 years, tourism has been a driving force in Philadelphia's success, and not just in the city proper, but across the entire region. And one of the organizations that has been at the forefront, it's Visit Philadelphia. And their name, well, it says it all. Visit Philadelphia invites people to visit Philadelphia. We just heard from Jeff Garasino. He is leading the region's official tourism marketing agency to help build our image, drive visitation, and boost the economy across the greater Philadelphia region. Here, Jeff describes for us the organization that he leads. Visit Philadelphia is designed to make the greater Philadelphia region grow even greater. We were created around 25 years ago with the whole idea that tourism is big business. And Philadelphia, whether you're a convention attendee, whether you're coming here just for fun as a leisure tourist, whether you're coming here to conduct business, or you're a part of airline crews, that Philadelphia is going to be a great value and a great destination to rediscover. And we were a part of the growth strategy of this region. And that was a time when the leadership from the governor to the mayor to the civic leadership, the business leadership said, this is what's going to transform Philadelphia and the five-county region. We expanded the Pennsylvania Convention Center downtown. You walk to our downtown convention center from your hotel. We decided to reimagine what Independence Hall would look like build new tourist attractions, 
And what we do as a part of that is that we just market the greater Philadelphia five-county region through TV, advertising, the website, social media, any which way that we can. And it shows that now 45 million people a year, a new record, is coming to the greater Philadelphia region for fun, for business, and a convention. And most people, like most destinations, go for fun. Absolutely. And I want to step back for a moment because I appreciate that Visit Philadelphia, you're all about promoting awareness of greater Philadelphia, the city and the four surrounding Pennsylvania counties, the neighborhood of southeastern Pennsylvania as a destination. And that makes total sense. But it always wasn't that simple. And I don't think the average leader necessarily 25 or so years ago appreciated the impact that this thing called tourism and that the industry of tourism could actually have on a community. And you were part of this 20 years or so ago, because I know today you're president and CEO of Visit Philadelphia, but your career started at Visit Philadelphia almost 20 years or so ago, and you were working in and around the greater Philadelphia region in the late 1990s when Visit Philadelphia was conceived and the challenges and the hurdles. And where I'm going with this is share with us some of those early hurdles that you and the team at Visit Philadelphia and others had to overcome when convincing folks that, you know what, tourism is not only important, it's actually an industry that's growing and that we should invest in. Well, certainly it was a privilege to be a part of the early team with the vision that Philadelphia and greater Philadelphia would have worldwide interest beyond just a Rocky film, yep. the Liberty Bell, which many maybe people haven't seen in a long time, or cheesesteaks. And we love all of those. Those are great things. We are known for them, and we're known for much more. And by going to one of the 80 colleges and universities, I went to Rowan University yep. close by, it well prepared me for career in Philadelphia. And with the amazing amount of job growth here, as you've mentioned, I've been able to start in an entry-level position at a TV station in marketing mm -hmm. and make my way up to the Franklin Institute Science Museum to tours of marketing in 2001 mm -hmm. and then come back in 2019 as president and CEO. It's an extraordinary testament, I think, to what Philadelphia and this region offers to people who want a great education, a skilled workforce, who want career development, mm -hmm. and an opportunity to lead. And so when I joined Visit Philadelphia after 9-11, mm -hmm. which happened just days before I joined, it was a crazy time in the tourism industry. And really, if you look at the tourism and the hospitality industry, it's assumed it's always working because it's a happy industry. You're going mm -hmm. to the airport, the plane is going to take off, yep. the flight attendant brings you a drink, you yeah. go to your hotel. The anticipation. The, right? You're going to a great place that you decided to spend your time and money on and you expect to have a great hotel experience and you see the tourist attractions mm -hmm. and you're experiencing something with your friends and family that makes a memory that you'll say, remember when we went to Philadelphia? Yeah. And it's a special private time in people's lives. But also, if you're conducting that great big business deal and you're going to Philadelphia to have that big meeting with Comcast, NBC Universal that changes yep. your company's direction. So travel has those big, meaningful moments in people's lives. 
you expect it to go flawlessly until something like 9-11. Right. After 9-11, people were afraid to travel. Mm-hmm. The industry went into recession. People saw how many jobs were dependent upon travel because friends and neighbors who had a friend who worked at an airline or worked in a hotel or was supporting the family's finances through good paying job at right. Hyatt or Hilton or Four Seasons, they realized, wait, this sent the whole country right. into an economic recession. Go to 2008, you saw the same thing at the, you know, it was the roar, roar days of five, six, seven. Everyone was going to Vegas, everyone was spending money, doing luxurious cruises, all this yep. crazy stuff. The recession hit, and all of a sudden, places like Atlantic City, where I worked for a few years, yep. they got hit. People didn't have time or money to gamble. Yep. They didn't have a job, the highest unemployment rate. So travel really suffered because you need a job to yeah. travel, you need money to travel, and you need the interest to travel. It was a really down time. We most recently saw it with the government shutdown in early 2019, yep. where people all over the country couldn't get to their favorite national parks. Right. They couldn't see the places that they wanted to see with their family. TSA agents, all of a sudden, because they didn't have money for a month coming in, weren't able to stay on the job right. to feed their family. So that's not all gloom and doom, but what's meant to say is that travel and tourism has huge mm-hmm. economic impact, whether it's Las Vegas, Orlando, New York, Philadelphia, Miami, but we don't expect it to be seen. Yeah. So right. where we come in with marketing is that we all know that advertising works. There's a reason why that there's TV advertising. We say that Super Bowl ad, wasn't that just great? Right. Yeah, there's a we, buzz about it. There's a buzz about it. We know when we see something come up on our phone or driving down and we get a billboard, we know it works because it equates to sales. Yeah. People didn't always understand how a TV ad or a newspaper ad, or how social media, when it started in 2008, Mm -hmm. would begin to build this amazing awareness of this greater Philadelphia region that people have always been meaning to go, but needed that, oh wait, that art exhibition is happening only in Philadelphia, King Tut is only coming to Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. the Barnes Museum and foundation is Mm -hmm. only in Philadelphia. Right. So they began to hear about some of the great restaurants that are only in Philadelphia, celebrity chefs. The award-winning restaurants. So all of a sudden, people who didn't have these things said, let's go. Or one of their kids decides to pick a great college like Drexel, University of Pennsylvania, Temple University. And all of a sudden, for the next five years, there's something called Parents Week. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I want to jump in here, Jeff. And you touched on a couple of things that I want to dive into. And I want to capture this in a couple of different ways. One is you're about providing solutions to overcome some of the challenges when it comes to marketing what I want to steal from you, which is you're marketing great memories, really. You're creating an image in the mind of a potential traveler with his or her family that they want to come here and create those memories. And you referenced the government shutdown in early 19, and your team actually came up with a great solution. You provided some funding that would allow for the national parks to be open at crucial times 
in order to welcome guests from around the country and frankly around the world to be able to access these special treasures that are only, to your point, available in Philadelphia. And I think that's a really great example of how you can come up with solutions that not only are practical and tangible, but then you can then use as a marketing tool and an awareness building tool of come to Philadelphia because you can get this and you can't get it anywhere else. But I want to go back to 2001 because I didn't really think about this until you shared it. The hurdle associated with a devastating international situation like September 11th. Take us around that table where you and your team are thinking through some strategies to come up with solutions because they're not easy of being able to say, how about we try this in order to develop a greater sense of comfort in the average traveler who's willing to travel here, maybe not by airplane anymore because of those sensitivities, but you're thinking about how do we help folks feel better while promoting greater Philadelphia? It was a delicate balance. You had a mood in the country where a wave of patriotism came through and brought everyone together. It was the first time that America had been attacked on its soil since, you know, the World War II. Mm -hmm. And so it was a time where the country's mood felt vulnerable. The giant hospitality industry that employed so many of our friends and family globally, not just in this country, but around the world, saw a tremendous and immediate slowdown. Businesses like our hotels were at less than 50% occupancy. Restaurants were not being filled. Conventions had canceled. Groups decided there wasn't a good time to travel. So you had a collapse of a major industry or a near collapse of many industries. But you had a near collapse where you needed to do something quickly. The holidays were coming. I'll be home for Christmas. Mm -hmm. The whole idea that people do travel, they're not going to stop traveling. People always want to travel to see friends and family conduct business and just to get, that will never change. That's an American birthright. Right. But how did we navigate through that? And we thought you always have to differentiate yourself from your competition. So while other destinations were saying, waving the American flag and saying, it's your patriotic duty to travel, we decided to just meet people as human beings and say, Philly's more fun when you sleep over. And we just wanted a subtle invitation to say, you'll have some fun. And it became the number one destination recovery campaign in the country because of its humanity, Mm -hmm. because of its humor, and because we were in touch with what people needed. The Philly's more fun when you sleep over. An iconic campaign, to your point, award-winning. Was it ultimately born out of conversations that you and the team were having around the planning and strategy table to figure out How do we resurrect travel following September 11th? One of the best things that is an advantage that Philadelphia has is its accessibility to leadership throughout this city. Mayors, governors, business leaderships, heads of universities. It's a real strength. It used to be people would say, oh, you're so provincial. Mm -hmm. Today, collaboration and the accessibility to All these other industries that are well-connected here helped us get ahead more quickly. So, for example, Comcast gave us airtime. The airport 
and the Port Authority came in and said, we can help you too. Mm -hmm. The city itself, understanding the importance of tourism to development, to the business interests which are happening here and to residents, they jumped in. And so we were able to act so quickly because we're so well-connected and interconnected here that doesn't always happen in other Mm -hmm. cities. Totally. In addition to that, we were able to have a strong vision because once we decided we were going to take this course, we were all behind it. And Philly has a reputation of being a little bit revolutionary. Mm -hmm. We have a reputation of thinking a little bit on our own way of doing business, but it's because we're always innovating and we're not afraid to take a risk, Mm -hmm. but a measured risk. And Mm -hmm. we thought, let's see how how this goes. And when the response was so immediately overwhelmingly positive and the media and the social well at the time there wasn't social media but Mm -hmm. the media and stakeholders and people just rallied around this idea of it's okay to have fun again yeah that was the brilliant moment that came together that is a brilliant moment and if i could add another asset that we at select greater philadelphia talk about all the time as we produce not only the growing greater program that we're engaged in right now but as we talk with business leaders and decision makers around the world accessibility to Philadelphia and its community is really great in terms of train, automobile. It's a walkable city. So at the time, you don't have to get on a plane to come here. Obviously, we want that to happen, especially today. But where I'm going with all this is access and proximity is a real key attribute that we often tout, and I suspect you do as well. 80% of the people who come here come here by car because more than 40% of the U.S. population lives within a five-hour drive. Yep. If you've ever been in Miami and say, let me drive to Washington, D.C., or get out of just the state of Florida. Yep. It could take you almost a day just to get out of the state of Florida. But our close proximity to New Jersey, New York, mm-hmm. the connectivity of 95, whether it's Amtrak, which I'm a big fan of because it runs almost 24 hours a day, the subway system that we have yep. here that connects people to outlying communities all the way down. You can get to Atlantic City, New Jersey by a train. Yep all the way to downtown Philly and take that train to New York, to DC, anywhere. That's how connected this region is. And then we get buses. You know, Mm -hmm. we're such a bus city too, whether it's mega bus or bolt bus. Right. So people had multiple choices, which also makes it competitive. Yeah. So if you just have one plane going to one destination, once a day, you're going to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Here we find that whether it's businesses that cater to college crew, with people who are catering to the private airplane crew, yeah. we can offer it here. Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to Philly's more fun when you sleep over, you've had the privilege of working on some really other pretty cool campaigns. With Love, Philadelphia XOXO, the Philly Homegrown campaign, and the Philadelphia Get Your History Straight and Your Nightlife Gay. Another iconic and what I would suggest really groundbreaking and comes back to your comment earlier about being a little bit revolutionary, pushing the envelope a little bit and and being willing to try things that maybe other communities wouldn't necessarily embrace. You've had a lot of fun, as I suspect. (laughs) And where I'm going with this, Jeff, is I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'd love for you to take me back to... Kid born in South Philadelphia, raised in the greater Philadelphia community of southern New Jersey, graduate of Rowan University, 
What was your vision as a 15, 18, 22-year-old of what you wanted to do? Was it always public relations? Was it always marketing? Was it a vision that you wanted to really you know, promote this tourism industry? Or did you kind of stumble upon it, as many of us do, you know, where your career starts to navigate almost on autopilot at times? I think nothing's on autopilot, but I would say that at 46 years old, I'm doing exactly my dream job. Nice. It's a privilege to have a job. Mm-hmm. It is extraordinary when you have a job you love, but it is almost unprecedented or it is better than a lottery winner when you could say that I am passionately driven for the job that I have the privilege to have. Yep. And that is an amazing statement, but I love the city of this region. I love the diversity of the city and region. You talked about the LGBT campaign. We've mm-hmm. launched groundbreaking campaigns for the Latinx millennial traveler, known for things we've done in crisis, like Philly's more fun when you sleep over after 9-11. Second only to probably Las Vegas's most successful, mm-hmm. what happens here stays here. I would argue comfortably that Philadelphia's long track record of groundbreaking, memorable result-oriented campaigns is bar none. Mm -hmm. And I'm thrilled to have been a part of that. And I think when you surround yourself with like-minded, passionate-driven people, you can make great things happen. And so for me, I think it was about the ability of mentorship, Mm -hmm. great internship, a career path for growth, leaving Philadelphia to go to Atlantic City, which was only you know, 60 miles away from Philadelphia with no lights when you get to the expressway, it was the ability to hone my skills during Atlantic City's most turbulent time. Mm -hmm. I led the recovery after Hurricane Sandy hit for the -hmm. the region and for the counties and for Atlantic City. Four casinos closing Mm -hmm. in one day, 10,000 people losing their jobs, and also building out the Civic Pride campaigns and campaigns to build leisure tourism. All of those things gave me an opportunity to come back and understand just how important and the economic benefits and the jobs that are created really mean in a really visceral, important way. When you are working and our industry supports more than 120,000 jobs, yeah, 120,000 jobs, and you worked in a destination where you're sitting with someone and they just lost their job. Mm-hmm. And there are 9,999 other people mm-hmm. who lost it. When you looked at it in a tourism economy that went from $5 billion in Atlantic City to $2.5 billion, right. that hurt small businesses, everything. But conversely, in Philadelphia, where we're on nine years of record, we're the, one of the fastest-growing job segments in the city. The 4,000 hotel rooms are coming online. That is a signal of development optimism, the ability to make profit, the ability to grow the market. You don't build a hotel just for one year. You build it because you think long-term you'll get an ROI. The expansion of our restaurant scene, the continuation of more private investment along the waterfront, the transformation in the public spaces and the commitment of the city, the state, and the region to transform and reimagine these public spaces. And I think the housing is Unbelievable. When you look at probably the most historic city in the nation, and we're here recording in the most historic neighborhood, a block away from Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell, Ben Franklin walked this street that we are recording this podcast on, 
and to see the many residential developments that are going up apartment rentals mm-hmm. $17 million condo penthouses which if you're in New York that sounds cheap yeah, if right. you're you know in Columbus Ohio maybe not but the affordability and to see the dynamic transformation of the oldest neighborhood in the country yeah is absolutely telling that the best is yet to come and I want to dive into that a little bit more and I'm glad you mentioned that because there is a renaissance that's happening across the region and specifically in Philadelphia and just blocks away from Old City, as you were just referencing, blocks away from Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell and the National Constitution Center. There's a renaissance happening on what we refer to as Market East and an investment that's happening there like never before. And developers are building residential properties. They're reimagining retail and restaurant spaces. And they're making decisions based on the tourism that's happening, not just the folks that are moving here and the companies that are moving here, but they know that when you bring folks to greater Philadelphia and they're visiting destination attractions, in the city, they're going to walk six blocks up and spend time at, for example, the new fashion district on Market East. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about that whole thinking and the interconnectivity of the tourism impact on the economy and how that's fueling growth in other unexpected ways. Well, big picture cities have done an extraordinary job of reimagining their downtown spaces. And also, now that we have four generations of travelers and consumers from Gen Z's to boomers who are all spending money Mm -hmm. in ways that they have never spent money before. You have the one-two punch of the mass population who's living longer and the younger ones who are spending earlier Mm -hmm. and cities which are in vogue again and cities which have invested. And so Philadelphia, and I get to your point, looking at the downtown Miami, Philadelphia has also done the same kind of transformation. It used to be Miami Beach was just a summer destination. It's no longer that. Fort Lauderdale, transformation from spring break to chic, luxury, sophisticated destination. We like Philadelphia. Times Square, New York. Mm -hmm. Used to be the CD Times Square, New York, is now Disney Central. So we are in that exact category of transformational cities. And I think that the centerpiece, the connectivity now from the river to the river is about to happen with close to $700 million invested in three long city blocks of close to 1 million square feet of retail, dining, entertainment, soon-to-be residential Mm -hmm. space that is adjacent to Jefferson University and Jefferson Hospital headquarters. The main public transportation, SEPTA, goes right through it. The regional rails go right through it. And then it's connected to the Pennsylvania Convention Center and close to almost 12,000 hotel rooms that are downtown and on Saturday nights are at 90% occupied. And through the course of the year, in another record year, um, of more than 80% occupancy with high ADR and more than 3 million rooms sold in a year. So doing the math, people who are investing and who are looking for a growth strategy are seeing that there is a business here. Mm -hmm. So when this opens, the Philadelphia Fashion District, on September 2019, Mm -hmm. it is probably the last remaining piece of the puzzle that is the connectivity from the bell in the hall to City Hall all the way out to University City. 
and the next big place that is coming is North Broad Street, Mm -hmm. connecting City Hall with the Met Philadelphia, Freedom Theater, and Temple University. Huge. Huge. The transformation and the affordability of the transformation in compared to our peer set cities Mm -hmm. is extraordinary. Yeah, it really is. In 9-19-19 – is going to be a, a milestone day, I know, not just for the team at Preet, which is developing the Fashion District Philadelphia, but for Market East and for Philadelphia proper, a true milestone moment for us. You had mentioned hotel rooms, and I want to come back to that because that, too, is a growing space. There are something like four new hotels with thousands of hotel rooms that are slated to come online in the next 12 to 18 months. Pretty incredible. It is incredible because if you're an investor and you're a developer, you can build anything. You can build a distribution warehouse if you think that you could sell to Amazon. You could build an office space if you think you can make money there. Or you can build a hotel. Mm -hmm. And our largest growth segment is in the tourism and hospitality industry. You're building more than 4,000 hotel rooms are coming online. And what's that a signal of? It's a signal of a stable growth economy Mm -hmm. where rising revenues can come and be made. It's a place where they know people are investing in major brands. We're looking at W, Four Seasons, the massive expansion of Marriott, Hilton, smaller brands, independent boutique brands, which are giving Airbnb a real run for their money and offering alternative-like stays. You're looking at build-outs with restaurants with million-dollar-plus budgets. You're looking at, as we talked about, the retail, reimagining what retail might look like mm-hmm. and what an entertainment experience might look like for people. And so I think that it's an extraordinary time, but it's all about following the money. Mm-hmm. No one's doing it because it's whim. the right thing to do. Yeah. And different than other destinations where they might finance, this is a true collaborative partnership where the city, the state, organizations like Select Greater Philadelphia, there is a hunger here and a true desire to continue to build out what a greater Philadelphia might look like. So one day when you and I are retired, we can listen to two other people talk about what has happened during our careers, and we can watch them take Philadelphia to the next level. I think it was about the third year where I started really, really getting homesick. Sometimes Nobody even knows what a chicken cheesesteak is in LA. You know what I mean? Like, we got Ishka Bimples over here. I need an Ishka Bimples, you know? Here, in one of Visit Philadelphia's videos, they asked three former Philadelphians who are now living in New York and Los Angeles what they miss about living in our greater Philadelphia community. Billy, to be honest with you, I straight up think it's better than New York. It just has this gritty, organically cool feeling, and I just have such a nostalgia for it. I miss like just walking down the street, seeing my friends, or seeing so many different kinds of people living in a very close space and kind of figuring it out. It's a magical place. I love it. No matter where you may end up in life, once you have lived in the greater Philadelphia region, you will forever be part of the neighborhood. From testimonials like these, it's evident that greater Philadelphia is more than just a great place to visit. And the team at Visit Philadelphia, well, they've been really successful in getting more people to visit for one, two, or three nights or even more. And our region is great not just because of the robust industries that we have here. What truly makes this place special? It's our people. 
the neighborhoods of families and friends that choose to grow here both personally and professionally. And thanks to these bonds in neighborhoods like Overbrook and East Falls and Mayfair in the city of Philadelphia and out in Coatesville and Bluebell, Newtown Square and Langhorn and so many other communities across the region, there has never been a better time to establish and grow a business and to live, work, play, create, innovate, and raise a family right here in greater Philadelphia. And speaking of the neighborhood, let's thank one of our neighbors who make this podcast possible. It's the team at Kreischer Miller. They are a leading independent accounting, tax, and advisory firm serving the greater Philadelphia and Lehigh Valley areas. The 180 associates at Kreischer Miller, they are driven by their mission to serve their clients, colleagues, and the community with passion, integrity, and dedication. The Kreischer Miller team has built a firm that is uniquely responsive to the dynamic needs of private companies, helping business leaders to smoothly transition through growth phases, business cycles, and ownership changes. Kreischer Miller's clients quickly adapt and respond to changing market opportunities and challenges. And those characteristics, well, they drive Kreischer Miller's focus on being responsive, decisive, and forward-thinking. Learn more about Kreischer Miller at kmco.com. That's kmco.com. And join me in thanking the team at Kreischer Miller for helping us to attract new businesses and new jobs to our community. Now let's get back to our conversation with Jeff. Jeff, I want to shift gears a little bit because you're also an author. And I'd love to hear about the journey you went on that first kind of moment you had to say, you know what, I think I want to write a book, and I want to write a book in something I know a lot about, which is tourism, and I want to push the envelope a little bit more as well and go out on a limb and write about a book in a space with LGBT tourism at the heart of it, and how that kind of became a perfect evolution for where you were in that point in your career to start on that journey. The book came out in 2007. It probably started, I'm going to guess, the seed may have been planted in four or five and then you had another book in 17, and I was hoping you could talk about both of those experiences. Sure. Well, a couple things. One, I always wanted to be a journalist, mm-hmm. and I was a, always a strong writer, which got me into my career early on in public relations and communications. My mom was a single mom. She did a great job, but I could not afford a four-year school, so I went to Camden County Community College, mm-hmm. and then that led into Rowan University. And I didn't get a master's degree, and I'm running this multi-million dollar nonprofit corporation that is responsible for close to a billion dollars in tax revenue, hundreds of million dollars of economic impact, and I don't have a master's degree. That is truth be told. That said, I always thought, well, let me write a book, or I'll get a master's degree. Mm -hmm. So Elsevier, one of the top publishers in the world, I sent a three-paragraph email to the North American Acquisition Director based in Boston, and I said, you do not have any books in your entire catalog on the economic power or the growth of gay and lesbian tourism. That was way back in 2005. Mm -hmm. And they said, you're absolutely right. And then we did some talking. And then all of a sudden, within, I'd say, three weeks, I had a book offer. Nice. So I ran to Barnes & Noble, a bookstore. Book contracts are dummies, because I didn't know. Like It was like skipping to chapter 14. Okay, you got a contract. I skipped all this other stuff. Right. And I wrote the book. And it was my way of giving back to the people who taught me and spent time with me, mm-hmm. but it also was my ability to demonstrate a true global understanding of the business 
that I'm in Mm -hmm. and how to find growth strategies and how to navigate controversy Mm -hmm. and how to show leadership. So the book became a way in which to do that something that no one else had ever done and to this day has not done in the world. And then I was approached many years later by Columbia University Press, one of the other top publishers, and Harrington Park Press to do an update to the book, to take a look at LGBT tourism in developing countries Hmm. around the world. So that book, Very Global, talks about India, Mm -hmm. Asia, Africa. And so it's a global network that I was able to tap into through my work in tourism, but also to really present a business case and a handbook on how to conduct tourism and hospitality, but also how to do it in different cultures, present your tourism product like a destination or a cruise line or a hotel globally to different kinds of people, and what are the universal truths that doesn't matter if you're gay or straight or what your ethnicity is or your gender or gender, it's how do you sell travel right. globally and that's, people. that's key, because I do want to mention the title of your most recent book that came out in 2017, as you mentioned, through Harrington Park Press and Columbia University Press. It's called A Handbook of LGBT Tourism and Hospitality, A Guide for Business Practice. And that's the key. It's about business. It's about business. Regardless of the audience. And what you can learn and transfer and develop is really key. And It's really inspiring, Jeff, and I want to go back to what I like to refer to and often do, and people who listen will appreciate this. It's a milestone moment, and you've had many, but I want to go back to, and I know this is going to be really nuanced, because it's one thing to have an idea, it's another to actually implement the idea. Take us back to that moment that you're sitting at your keyboard, and you're thinking about a publication specific to tourism in the LGBT community? Because you took this initiative to, one, you came up with the idea, and then you did something about it. You sent a note to somebody that you could potentially partner with and ultimately did. How did that come about for you? Is it something that you kind of always embodied, or is it, you know, you had one of these moments that I often do, 2.30 in the morning, you wake up with this idea, and you think there's something there, whether it's creating a podcast or a television show or writing a book or uh, launching a new marketing campaign, the seed gets planted somewhere, and then you ultimately did it. And I know this gets really nuanced, but that feeling of you're sitting at the keyboard, and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to type out this three-paragraph you know, message to somebody and see what happens. Yeah, I think what drives me is positive impact now. Hmm. What also drives me probably was framed from the early death of my mother who died at 51 suddenly, which is tomorrow is not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And so when you take through the lens of those two things and then you add the passion that I have for my industry and for my city and my business model is collaboration. That's what has made me successful Mm -hmm. in the good times or even the bad times. And when you pull all of that together, I think that's what answers your question about where do you find time to write two books? How do you continually invest time in other communities? How do you motivate a staff of 65 across multiple generations? How do you present a city that is authentic and resonates to many different types of travelers? And how do you do it over a long vision. And Mm -hmm. so I would say all of that is 
It's a testament to Philadelphia because no one does it alone. Mm-hmm. It's a testament to great teamwork because no one does it alone. Right. And I would also say it's a curiosity and a drive to always be the best, which I think comes from my Philadelphia roots, which the Rocky movie shows it. We're always striving to be the next champion. And so that's probably succinctly what made all those things happen. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It does. In terms of the inspiration you receive from your mom, your collaboration with others in a great community like Philadelphia that everybody wants to help each other. So this next topic that I want to touch on might be a tough one because you've had many. Is there something when you look back on your career, and I, <laughs> I'm i going to share it because you said it already, you're only 46, so you got another 50 years to go. But when you look back on the past 25, 30 years or so, even back to your high school and days at Camden County Community College and Rowan University and the journey you've taken through the newsroom, through Franklin Institute and Visit Philadelphia and the Atlantic City experience and now to where you are today leading Visit Philadelphia, is there something that stands out for you that really causes you to say, wow, I'm really proud of that? When I look back on that and I'm talking to my friends and family and they are asking about my journey, you just want to tell them how proud you are of that particular moment. That's a great question. And that's never been asked before. So I I think Mm -hmm. that Life is made up of many great, proud moments. Sometimes it's the thing when you gave some kid a job, or sometimes it's really hard at the time when you say to someone, this job is not for you, and it feels devastating to them. Mm -hmm. Like The hardest thing to do is to fire someone because you change that person's life. But, and it's happened to me many, many times, people may come back and they say, I'm glad you did that because of this. Or now I opened up my this. And I also constantly think about, and that's where I thought you were going originally, which is what would you have changed? What Mm. would you have done better? And what wasn't I aware of that made someone feel or something happen in a way I had not intended? Mm -hmm. So I think the way that I like to approach my life today is through thoughtful, reflective leadership, Mm -hmm. but it is leadership. And it means that when you take the checklist down and you frame things through the right business decision that understands that we're all human beings, you'll always make the right choice. I think the things that I'm most proud about ultimately would be the people that I've counted on for the right advice at the right time. And I would also say that while it was the hardest four years of my life in Atlantic City, which was the most turbulent time, bankruptcies, casino closings, people losing their jobs, hurricanes, clouds, it was probably the most rewarding because you could make a big difference. And I was a part of the few that would have the skill set to do that. I can't fix a car. I don't know how to be a medical professional. Mm-hmm. I hire CFOs and accounts. But the particular work that I do can get people through crisis. It can create jobs. It can build an image. It can support jobs. 
It can make things just more fun. And so I take it seriously on those moments. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. I'm glad you mentioned the Atlantic City experience because I know it's the Atlantic City Alliance where you spent just over four years. And to your point, you're a collaborator. You're a marketer. You know tourism. That's what you can use in your toolkit to really help people. And where I want to go with this is that was a milestone moment as well. If you could take us back to that time, I guess it was in 14, when you're presented with this opportunity to shift gears. That's a big decision to leave an organization like Visit Philadelphia, where you have really invested a lot of time and expertise and and really grew up professionally in many different ways to really take that risk and say, you know what, I'm going to try something new. That had to be hard. It was a big risk in 2012 because Philadelphia's best growth years were just ahead. Yeah. And Atlantic City's best years in terms of gaming revenue were just behind them. And I jumped in back to my single mom Mm -hmm. who, when casinos came to Atlantic City, paid her in the early 1980s like a man. Mm -hmm. And $80,000 a year in the 80s as a pit boss was a lot of money then. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money today. And when you're talking about pay equality Mm -hmm. for all genders, it created the opportunity for me and my brother to get to college, stable. So I felt the obligation and the opportunity to make a positive impact now. And so I did jump in. Now, Mm -hmm. I didn't see a hurricane coming. Mm -hmm. I didn't see bankruptcy coming. I didn't see a million things coming. And what I learned out of that time was you need good mind, body, spirit. Because when everything's hitting the fan at the same time, you have to remember, even though it's 10 minutes a day for reflective prayer, 30 minutes a day just to exercise and then work really hard, all three things have to happen. Otherwise, you won't be a good boss. Mm -hmm. You won't be a good leader, partner, husband, wife, father. So I would say that I'm really proud of the economic impact that we had on those giant big businesses. That's MGM International working down there. That's Caesars International. That are major multinational corporations, hedge funds. That is a no-joke $5 billion, now $2.5 billion industry in a few miles. So there, it was about dollars and cents But where it also turned out to be was the dollars and cents that we'd used in tours of marketing had the best ROI, Mm -hmm. but it also needed the humanity that needed to go along with it. But then the politics is Jersey politics, baby. Fasten your seatbelt. Gets complicated. (laughs) It gets complicated. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to pick up on something here, Jeff, and I'm going to get really nuanced. I'm going to get a little personal for a moment because if I understand what you just shared with me, And I get all the business part of it, and I get the tourism part of it. Your mom was a pit boss at an Atlantic City casino in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So that makes perfect sense to me. You were drawn to this opportunity at the Atlantic City Alliance because of that personal connection, maybe indirectly, maybe subconsciously, that you felt. And that connection to your mom pulled you there. And I would suspect that whether you knew it or not, the decision to shift gears in 2014 and embark on this new journey in 2015 at the Atlantic City Alliance is more directly related to that 
personal connection with your mom maybe than anything else directly 100 percent. i was paid well but right. directly yeah. because i believe that the travel and tourism industry does create and i know from personal experience great paying career advancing family sustaining jobs mm-hmm. that impacts everyone impacts everything and it can change everything i can't tell you how many Hotel GM started as the valet person. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people, upwardly mobile people, found a career in this industry of all different nationalities and experiences. And so it is an industry that I care passionately about, but it was a deep connection because there are people who are reliant upon a career and advancement and it doesn't happen just anywhere. But in tourism and hospitality, it is one of those amazing rare industries where you can start as an intern, as I did, mm-hmm. and become president and CEO, or you can start out at the front desk and become the GM of the Four Seasons, mm-hmm. which we have the Four Seasons Philadelphia opening up here, and that's where he started. That's right. I love that story about your mom in Atlantic City. You lived it. You know firsthand the impact that it can have on families and on careers. I got chills talking about your mom. I wish I had a chance to meet her. And I've learned a lot about Jeff Garasino today. We've known each other for a long time, but I'm getting to know you even more. (laughs) We're good Philadelphians. And I really appreciate and value that. I want to shift gears slightly. You're welcome. And I have a couple wrap-up questions for you. When you think back on your career, the advice that you would give a young person who comes to you, maybe they're in high school, maybe they're in college, and they're trying to navigate their next step. Based on the experiences you've had, the opportunities you've had, is there some kind of guiding principles that you like to share to folks as they're figuring out what's next for them? Absolutely. I always start with the following things. What are you good at? What are you terrible at? And what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. If you can have an honest conversation, seriously look yourself in the mirror and say, I am really good, as I said, at tourism marketing. I am really bad at fixing cars and jigsaw puzzles. And what I really want to do is whatever. Mm -hmm. If you have that honest conversation, and I do that with my current team and employees of all levels, Mm -hmm. and I do that with interns and people who come to me, have that conversation. Because once you figure that out, at least in the framework, it'll help point you in the right direction. And it could be anything. You know, It could be, I want to write a book. You might not do it now, but you might do it in your career. Mm -hmm. It could be, I want to be able to travel the world. It could be something. So I would say figure (laughs) those things out. It is shocking to me how many job seekers do not have a good self-awareness of what they actually bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so I advise people at all levels, including mine, to always have a good group of people who can give you an honest assessment. Mm -hmm. Say, Matt, you're really great at podcasts. Mm -hmm. Matt, you're really great at getting businesses to really come and be here and locate here and why you can make it happen. Maybe you're not good at the. You just, everybody needs it. And mentorship, even at my age, now at 46, I have a different level of mentorship and a different mentor Mm -hmm. than I did when you and I first started in this career 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Totally. So Visit Philadelphia has had an indelible mark on 
Philadelphia and the surrounding region, and will continue to, and you've been a big part of that. What do you want people to know about Visit Philadelphia today and moving forward when they think about the impact, the role of Visit Philadelphia? Our organization is driven in good business. And as we mentioned, the sheer number of jobs, the millions of dollars in investment, close to a billion dollars in tax revenue at the state and local level that come in from travel and tour. This is a giant and important industry and is one of the linchpins to Philadelphia's continued economic growth. And so companies want to relocate here when they see positive news stories in the press about where they're headquartered or where they're going, which we have all the time. People want to live and conduct business in a place that has a hip factor, a growth factor, an affordability factor, a sense of a direction factor, an excitement factor. And that's a part of what uniquely Greater Philadelphia Tourism and Visit Philadelphia can do. We are the shine bright on a spotlight of this region in no other way that no other organization can do because we were uniquely conceived in this particular way. And we're thrilled and honored to be able to do it. I would say moving forward is that this is the organization that will build community, but also build tourism. And we'll do that through collaboration and through a shared vision, because it's not just one person's vision. And I'm lucky, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the organization was founded by Meryl Levitz, an icon in the tourism industry. She had and a vision along with the Pew Charitable Trusts in the state and the city to create this three-year experiment that we're now going into our 25th year in 2021. And you can only do what I do by building and launching off a strong foundation. And the strong foundation was the original board staff and leader. And then, of course, the ultimate foundation is off a great product in a great city and region, which is the greater Philadelphia region. As the team at Visit Philadelphia continues to grow from their strong foundation, the greater Philadelphia region will no doubt grow as well. And please be sure to rate and review our podcast and share it with friends, colleagues, and family, and through social media too. And hey, if you liked this Visit Philadelphia story, be sure to check out other episodes of our Growing Greater podcast at radio.com, wherever you may listen to your podcasts, or at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. As we wrap this episode, let's thank the team at Newmark Knight Frank. They're actually helping us attract new companies and jobs to our region. Thinking differently, sharing great ideas, and offering thoughtful and innovative advice that helps to advance the success of their clients, that is all part of the Newmark Knight Frank way. With roots dating back to 1929, Newmark Knight Frank is a top-tier global commercial real estate advisory firm operating on six continents out of 430 offices and with a workforce of more than 16,000 professionals. They have an enterprising culture and a fully integrated platform of services, and it allows their professionals to provide clients with a single source solution for every phase of owning or occupying a property. Everything from strategic planning, site selection, design, construction, 
and initial occupancy all the way through to ongoing cost-effective operations. Learn more at NGKF.com. That's NGKF.com. And join me in thanking Newmark Knight Frank for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.